Well, well, welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I am grateful that we are not like those other sinners, certainly not those tax collectors. So Tim Ayers is here, and we are going to dive back into storytelling and the parables of Jesus featuring a Pharisee and a tax collector. For those who humble themselves will be exalted. So let's welcome in our favorite tax collectors beating their chests, Marin and Barry. <laughs> welcome, hey. guys. Good day. Good day. Hello. How are you? Good day? Yeah. If I'm beating my chest, it That's is not good. a good day. Why? I'm tearing my clothes and putting ash on yeah, my head. Yeah, there you go. My eyes are low. I can't look to the heavens. How you guys doing? I'm really good. I'm good. really good. How are you, Marin? Marin, are you feeling better? I think I'm, I'm always in a state of okay. Like, I'm okay. I'm okay. My back's not Marin. good. But if Barry's good, like, I want to hear about good things. I don't want to hear about my back. Yeah, Barry, what's so great? What's so, what, what are you in is so great? <laughs> what is so great? Well, my uh, sister-in-law, Carly, got married this weekend. Oh, uh, big congrats. Fun. Yeah, congrats to them. I think they're off in some exotic locale for honeymoon right now. That was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was, we had the event at the Fisher's campus of Grace. So it was a little bit, just a little bit weird dancing on the dance floor uh, and and remind, reminding myself that, yes, I am a pastor here. <laughs> yeah, and can't break church. it down too much. No, I couldn't. And there's services wild. like a few hours later, <laughs> Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah, it was funny too because the songs, some of the songs, I'm pretty sure they were all picked with care, but every now and then a lyric <laughs> slipped through or a hidden no. meaning. And I'm like, there are children here. This is the house <laughs> of the Lord. <laughs> uh, Things so, you don't normally notice when you're at a just a normal wedding in a tent. Yeah, I was there for rehearsal Thursday night and some of the decorations were set up yeah. and it was really, really pretty. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, Marin, yes, sir. Is your back okay? My back is not okay, but overall, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm just okay. Yeah, I have this nifty little tens unit. So, like, a what? I'm sitting here giving myself electroshock therapy. What? That looks like an iPad. <laughs> what is that? It looks like it an old iPad. It does look like an old school oh, no, iPad. Like an old iPod. Yeah, the old original one. Yeah, so that's what I meant. It what? just like it's like those little square like they look like square band aids like. That go on your back and then they just You're shock shocking you. yourself I right totally now. I totally am and, and for the next 34 minutes. And what is it Does doing? it feel better? <laughs> it does. It helps me sit here and not be in pain. So we'll just keep doing it. No, but it, like All scientifically, right. what is happening? Who knows? It probably just jiggles your muscles a little bit. Or my fat. It could be that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I'd say muscles. It's a, yeah, it's jiggling it's your muscles. Muscle that's jiggler. It's j- jiggling your muscles. That's the, that's the, um, the commercial name for the product. Yeah. It's the, uh, the muscle jiggler. Guys, we have a special guest right now. Let's welcome in Emily O'Connor, Pod Prod. Hey. Yay. Yay. There it is. How <laughs> yeah, are you? That's, that's too much. I'm good. Welcome back to the pod. You're on mic. This is this is no. great. All of have you ever been on mic with all of us in the room? I don't think so. I think you, I was only once for like one second yep. to clarify oh, yeah. something. Oh yeah. I gave a fun fact about something. We that were I don't debating. Remember. It was a vegetable. Yeah. What was it? I don't, I don't, know. I don't know. It's not important. <laughs> What's <laughs> important? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Yep. And, but you also had something happen this weekend that might be worth remarking. Yeah. I think yeah. you're doing Emily, better than what's any going of us. on with you? I got engaged <laughs> this weekend. Bing. <laughs> 
Congrats. Who's Thank the guy engaged, you. huh? My boyfriend, fiance. Yes, my yes. fiance, Davis. That is weird. That is kind of weird to say, but kind of fun. Have you practiced? Like, are you going to change your last name? Have you practiced writing it out? No, I haven't. So when I came home, I was in Missouri this weekend. Um, he's at school in Missouri. We both went to school there. And um, I came home and my mom had a gift for me. And one of them was like a P on a, like a kind of a plaque thing. And I was like, what, what is this? I have to change my name. That's weird. Yeah. So, so cool. I know. Yeah. That's so awesome. So give us the deets. Yeah. Okay. How did he ask? So I went out to visit in Columbia this weekend and Davis has been telling me for Columbia. like Columbia. Columbia, Missouri, which is where the University of Missouri is. And that's where you went to college. That's where I went to college. He's currently finishing up school there. So, um, yeah, I went out to visit and he's been telling me for like a month that he wants us to go to this concert on Friday night. And I was like, okay, like neither of us is super into this band, but like could be fun. So whatever. So I go out there and it's pretty chill. Like I also have to preface by saying, that I've been waiting for this for a little while Since now. You were born. <laughs> did we, you did you pressure him at all? No, I really tried not to, <laughs> but there might have been a couple of times where I slid in a little pressure. So you've been dating all through college. Yeah, we've been dating for more than four years. So time's up, Davis. Yeah. Time to yeah. time to put a ring on it. Yep, yep. Make it happen. So, so yeah. yeah, so what happened? Yeah, so I got there and everything was pretty chill. Um he was more particular about the timing of when we did things than usual. Like, so you had a nervous clue. energy. Yeah, you yeah. kind of caught on. Yeah, I was yeah. like, nervous you're like, energy. hey, why don't we go grab dinner? That's not time for dinner. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. It's not for later. Till later <laughs> o'clock. We have to go later. That is what happened. We were going to go to dinner. It was like five forty-five, and I was like, okay, let's go. And he's like. Let's just sit here for a second. (laughs) I'm like, I'm hungry. We're going to have to wait for a table. Yeah. So there were little things like that. And then I was like, this is weird. So we go to dinner and it was great. And we get in the car to go to the concert. And he goes, oh, I forgot to print out the tickets. And I go, what? (laughs) We've been planning for this for a month. You haven't printed off the tickets. Who prints off tickets anymore? I was just going to say, you could have been like, what? This is... 2018. That's true. At what point are you going to tell us the name of the band you went to see? Oh, yeah. yeah, we, yeah. Pretty important. So it was the Mr. Wives. It was the oh, band. Oh, yeah. Never heard of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're not super popular. What, you, you, what genre of music? Uh, It's kind of like... Hardcore rap. Yeah. It's super <laughs> hardcore rap. No, they're like alternative, kind of jazzy though. Like they do some trumpet stuff, which is cool. So hmm. all right. Anyways. Throwing a couple trumpets. Yeah. Like it. They're pretty cool. So anyways, he was like, yeah, we have to print off these tickets and let's go to the crossing to print them off. And the crossing is the church that we went to and we're super invested in whatever. And I was like, that's literally the opposite direction of come on Davis like think it through. would we go over there and he was like parking parking is gonna be better if we park if if we have to go on campus to print them off parking is gonna be terrible I'm and like, you're like why are you sweating right now <laughs> yeah. yeah like this is weird so I was like okay whatever so we go over to the crossing and um one of my best friends Devin is sitting in her car when we get there and she works at the church so I didn't really think that much of it but I was like oh Devin's here so I get out and chat with her and he's like I'm just gonna go in and print off the tickets so I was like okay 
Devin and I were chatting and she goes, oh, actually, I think somebody left me something on my desk. Why don't you come inside with me? So I walk in and the you're building. you're like, by this point, you're just like ticked because you're like, <laughs> you're hungry, man. It's time to go to dinner. You're yeah, hungry. The, yeah. Yeah. So no, we had been to dinner. We had been to dinner at okay, this point. So she was I hungry was, for a concert. She yeah. was hungry yeah, for, right. for The for concert art. was supposed to be starting in like a half an hour. And I was like, we're super late, but I'm not super into this band anyway. So I don't really care. But <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Mr. White. Great you memory. To this. Um, yeah, so they it, definitely listen. Yeah, it's offensive. So I... <laughs> I walk into the building and the first thing I notice is that they got a new map like on the wall of just like a layout of the church. And I go, oh, that's new. And then I turn to my right and there's like this whole setup of like he had a path of um, kind of like tea light candles, Mm -hmm. like all through the lobby. and And you were like. You guys have gotten culty since I've left. Yeah. <laughs> New map and candles on yeah, the ground. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So he had ha- um, made a scrapbook and had like a picture of us on the front. And that's when I kind mm. of knew what was happening. And my friend Devin goes, it's happening. It's happening. It's okay. Oh, breathe. Man. Because at this point I'm like crying. Turning and, blue. Yeah. So it wasn't the candles that gave it away. No, because the crossing is kind of like, they kind of have like Seance-y. a hipstery vibe. No, it's not a cult. <laughs> <laughs> like no. the, the monks chanting in the corner had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Never mind them. So no, they're kind of like hipstery. So I didn't think much about oh, like yeah. candles. But then when I saw the scrapbook, I was like, okay. This is for me. Yeah. Why did the church have a scrapbook of us? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's happening? So I go over and my friend um, has written me a note and then she walks me a few feet and there's another of my best friends there. And it turns out he had like five or six of my best friends lined up several feet from each other, handing me mementos from our dating relationship. And he had kept all of these things and I was crying and they had already yeah. little notes and I was afraid I was going to catch on fire because I was walking among all these candles. <laughs> <laughs> so I Sounds get, dangerous. I know it was, it was adrenaline. Sounds like a test of your love. Yeah. 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 It was, it was good. So I kept saying, he's so good. He's so good. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> I get down to my friend Reagan um, and she goes, I'm your last stop. And at this point, I'm like, OK, one of my best friends and I had roomed with all throughout college. She's from Denver and she moved back there after she graduated. And I was really hoping that she would be there for this. But she wasn't one of those people. And I was like, OK, it's fine. Like it's a it's a she couldn't get a flight or whatever. So Reagan tells me that Davis has picked out an outfit for me, a, a dress and um, I can go change in the bathroom. So I did that. And then I come back out. That's pretty confident. Mm. A guy picking out a girl's dress. Well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know. know. Some, you gotta know where he, her heart is. He yeah. Like, what if you help. didn't like it? <laughs> no, he had some help. <laughs> My girlfriend. This is not a concert dress, David. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. At this point, I still thought I was going to the concert. No, I didn't. But <laughs> so Reagan walked me around the corner, and my friend Anna was standing there, and so I just like lost it when I saw her because I didn't think she was going to be there. And what she handed me was a box with a little leaf in it. And so some backstory, when he and I first started dating in uh, the summer of 2014, um, we were outside one night and he handed me this leaf and he said, someday I want to marry you. Right now I have a leaf for you, but one day I want to turn this into a ring. And so I kept the leaf for four years and he went back. So that's the same leaf. 
Yeah. Because he, he could have just picked another leaf. No, it was the leaf that I had <laughs> okay, in a box in my cynical, room. Cynical, very cynical. <laughs> yeah. So, How do you get that leaf out of your room? So when I was on That's my creepy. when I was on my mission trip to New York, he went back to my house. Sneaky. Uh huh. He is so all the dirty good. tricks. Yep. Yep. And Davis. He's wow. a good one. He's so romantic, so sentimental, and so. So I'm, I'm hearing themes of arson and uh, <laughs> breaking and entering. Yeah, burglary. <laughs> no, 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 I'm no. just seeing Davis is putting all of men on notice. Yeah, mm-hmm. seriously. Pick up your game. Is he is he a romantic guy? Yeah, he is. Apparently. He's good about that. He's you know, very thoughtful. My wife loves him. <laughs> she does. Because Aww. the first time that they met, he said, we have a we have this baby, this 9-month-old baby mm-hmm. now, and he probably met Milo, my son, when Milo was 5 or 6 months. And he said, "When I move back, would it be okay if I babysat?" <laughs> and she said, yeah, yeah. He's like, I have I, no idea who you are. He said, people always think it's weird that guys like babies, but I love babies. Yeah, and so ever really since does. then, my wife talks about how much she loves Davis because he just loves babies. Yeah, he does. He loves babies. Like, <laughs> so he's, he's a softy, he teddy bear, romantic guy. Yep. He's super sweet. So, leaf thief. Yep. The leaf thief. <laughs> the leaf thief. So I take this leaf and I walk outside and he's standing under, under these string lights under a tree and has like a carpet there. And I walk over and I hug him and then he goes, can I trade you? And so I gave him the leaf. Oh, oh stop. Now I'm me. crying. My goodness. I know. That's the picture I saw. Yeah. That's the picture my husband saw when he turned to me on the couch and said, do you know your friend Emily just got engaged? <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. 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 So wow. we, we had one of my good friends is a photographer. So he had her come and take some pictures for us. And then we had um, all of our friends were, they threw us a surprise party back at their house. So great. Wow. Awesome. Nailed it. It was perfect. Were parents involved in any way? Yes. Well, so they weren't there. He invited them to come, but they said, no, take your time with your friends. When you guys come back, we'll, we'll get have the next a one. celebration. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, but he went, when he went to get the leaf, he also went and talked to them. And oh yeah. So, yeah. well, so okay. The most important question of all, mm-hmm. did you end up at the concert? <laughs> Yeah, was there no. a concert? The concert <laughs> was a lie. The concert did happen. We did not attend. Does they that band even your... exist? <laughs> yeah, what are they? The Misinformed? Yep, the Misinformed. No, the Mr. Wives. They're Mr. playing Wives, yeah. your reception. Yeah, oh, yeah. That'd be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, someday I we're going to put it past them. Davis. <laughs> that would be cool. If anyone could get it done. Yep, yep. Well, we could. big ups to Davis. That was huge. Yeah. Congratulations, Emily. Emily, Emily and I have worked together for almost a year now, and we've been talking about this every week for like, a year. Yeah, that hasn't helped my heart much. Hey. <laughs> Every Monday I come into our one-on-one meeting. Are you engaged yet? Are you, Are you engaged, engaged yet? yet? Let's get this done. No, Tyler, I'm uh, not engaged yet. Today, just cruel. I can say, yes, I am. Yeah, heck yeah. So, um... You are taken off here in a couple weeks. Yeah. Your internship is over. Uh, as we said last week, this podcast would not have existed. It would never been invented or started had it not been for you. Not so, a million years. Wow. Um, I want to bring you back in, in a couple of weeks to talk about what's next for you mm-hmm. um, and just talk about kind of your experience here as an intern, as a employee. You've been an employee of Grace Church for about a year. So I, I yeah. can't do it today because of time and Tim Ayers is, is here. So, yep. um, but definitely want to bring you back because um, I love, we've loved having you and I uh, want to hear what's next and 
Yeah, people just like the pod proud, so. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks yeah. for sharing your story. Thanks for listening. And, and uh, enjoy the rest of your program. Oh, yeah. Emily, <laughs> Emily's going to get back in the uh, control center and run this thing. Um, but when we come back, we're going to talk with Tim Ayers. We're going to do a little round of Ask Tim Anything, and we will talk about last weekend's sermon. Be back in a bit. All right, we're back. Tim Ayers is here. Welcome, Tim. Oh, it's good to be here. Yeah, it's been a while. I feel like we haven't seen you in months. Ages. I, I haven't I haven't been here in months. That's yeah. why I haven't seen you. <laughs> so yeah. when, when was the last time you, you gave a, me, or a sermon at Grace before this past weekend? It was probably February, right? Yeah, it's been a while. There was one month when um, I did the high school, the merge retreat. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's four talks in a row mm-hmm. and it made sense for me to concentrate on that. And then the next That's month, right. to be honest, I was scheduled and all of my kids and their kids came into town on the same weekend that I was scheduled to preach and I asked to have that weekend off. Like unexpected? No. Well, at first it was just some and then it, yeah, yeah then it snowballed. And <laughs> okay. so it's like with just one hunk of them, it would have been... I could have figured out how to work around preaching the four services. Yeah. That is and, hunk of family. Yeah, but it was it was really fun. <laughs> how do you really, measure your family units? It was really yeah. fun. fun. Yeah. I measure my family in globs. Globs of family. Yeah. To have um, all three of my kids and their significant others and kids, and so it's yeah, it's just cool. What are you up to these days? I feel like you're 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 kind of always doing something. You're, we we're going to do ask too many thing in a minute. And last week we talked about that you pretty much have been involved in everything, and you have a million stories. <laughs> and <laughs> you what do you mean in every? That's terrible. <laughs> no. people, people can uh, fill in the blanks. Like the good and the bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you what do you want to know? Yeah. What's going on? Uh, what do you, what are you doing these days? Just how are you spending your time? Well, I'm spending a lot of time working at Grace Church. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And when you're not doing that, what are you doing? I'm getting a lot of miles in on my bike. Yeah. I, be, I mean, I'm, I've had a great winter. It was really cold around Christmas time, if you remember, and I had my bike on a rack. And uh, my wife has a, a bike. Speaking of which, I'm trying to figure out, now this is, uh, this is not a plea for I don't need like a GoFundMe thing or anything. But, but, <laughs> We're going to start uh, a Kickstarter. I'm to, for- <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to buy my wife an electric bike, an electric assist bike. Oh, yeah. They're really cool. And um, that way she could ride at my pace. Because the the one we're looking at will go twenty eight miles an hour, and I can't ride twenty eight miles an hour. Whoa, that's hours, awesome, but I man. can ride twenty two, you know, twenty two miles an hour, twenty three miles an hour. It's pretty much solid if I get a good, if I get if I'm riding with her and she's pulling me on an electric bike, <laughs> I could do that. For a minute. But you know, <laughs> that's even, an amazing mental image. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but I'm really looking for a way to figure that one out because to be perfectly honest, they're expensive. But sure. What a what a great thing it would be for us because now. We go to, like, there's this park out in the middle of no place out near Deming, and we park there, and she'll ride, and I'll ride with her for about 10 miles or so, but it's at her pace, and she knows she's slowing me down, and though I love being with her, she still feels badly about the fact that she's slowing me down so much, but if we get her this other bike, it's pedal assist, so you still pedal it, but it'll go as fast as 
you, I'll never be able to ride that fast. For, mm. And so we'll be able to ride my kind of rides together. So that's, that's like way in the back of my mind. Yeah. I mean, it's like churning all the time. And she went and looked at him at bike line, which, uh, uh, what is that? A clear product placement bike yeah. line in Carmel. Sponsored by bike line. <laughs> bike line. I mean, I, 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 um, they're like family and, uh, they're working with us. And she saw them, and they're going to actually let her have one for a week to try it out. Really? Oh, you, know, wow, what's cool. gonna, you know, it's like if she has it a week, I got to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, you got <laughs> to get on this, man. So go to GoFundMe slash Tim Ayers. Tim, release a solo album, and then all the proceeds of that album will go towards I'm going to be bike. honest with you. I did an album years ago with a band called Generica, and it was Mark Sheeman. Do you know Mark Sheeman? No, Jake yeah, Sheeman? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's his dad. And a guy named Matt Troyer, and I don't know if you know um, Alan Johnson, who um, he produced it, and we did it. You, you'd like this. We did it live in the studio. It has very little back. Go back and do anything. In fact, most of the vocals are one take. I love that. And the album sounds like the band live, and we were we were just uh, that's awesome. A, just a thrashing thing, and I. Loved that band, and the album has never been released. Oh. And every time I play it for anybody, they go, who are these people? And I say, me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, and we didn't even, we didn't do it with a click or anything. We did it with no. Yes. So it's, it's like got a it's, natural group. It has no steady, you know, we, we would go back over it and listen to it and laugh because Mark Sheeman, I, he's the most emotional drummer I've ever played with. And I'm so glad he was a part of great. He got transferred, but his son is still around. And what does that mean? What does an emotional drummer mean? That means that he's feeling the music as much at the drums as I'm feeling it, singing it and playing it. So he's not back there like crying. He's not like a machine. <laughs> he's not playing it like a machine. Okay. He's putting feel into it. It's not a robot. No, but like the tempos are all over the place. And I love that about it. Yeah. And, uh, but that, that album, I wish I could get it out somehow, but it's like, there it's i have it deep cuts man yeah. go gofundme.com slash yeah. <laughs> let's get another one going well we and, and the best part I, we were gonna release it and i was gonna do you remember back in the day when when at sears you would go and have your family picture taken in front oh, of like yeah. a like a yeah. thing with um with <laughs> yes. a like backdrop a of forest. Yeah. and i wanted to do the cover what i wanted to have was <laughs> me and mark and matt the three members of the band turtlenecks with, with mrs schaefer bev schaefer on the cover and like we're her three sons and i wanted us to all get really bad mullet <laughs> cuts and wear bad suits yeah because when we played we were, i called the band generica because like we didn't look like anything other than you know than just generic uh, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. and and i was thinking that like mcdonald's and those kind of places were turning america into generica because oh. you could never to any place you went in america at any interstate uh you know, place where, yeah. anytime you'd get off it, you couldn't tell where you were because they all looked the same. Yeah. And so anyway, I wanted to have that be the front and the back was just going to be the, this is funny. I think <laughs> the back was just going to be the, the set screen of the like farm or barn or something like uh -huh. that. 
And I went to Sears because that's where they used to take those pictures. And they wouldn't sell me a picture of just the backdrop. They would What? They would let us come in. To, <laughs> I said, all I want you to do is just take a picture of the backdrop. I'll pay you for it. No, that's Why? against co- company policy or something. I have no idea. Maybe they thought you'd blow it up and then use it for your, for your own, own photos game. and then blame I Sears. Don't, I don't know, but it was just so stupid. I just lost all energy at the time. And, at the, and so, so yeah. that's what broke. Your- that's what kept Generica from going going big. Sears. Sears wouldn't Sears release the photo. I bet you could go on Google and find that photo right now. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it was back then. It wasn't like that. So. I bet one of our listeners could Photoshop that. Well, like in a heartbeat. or well, you could take your phone to one of those photo studios and just like run by and take a picture real quick and then leave. Well, back that. then though, we could. Yeah, you could yeah, do I mean, that. This is, this record, <laughs> just get your like yeah. wind up camera and do it. And okay, well now you have us all interested. So we all need to hear this. So release it. We'll buy it. You get your wife the bike. Everyone's happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, last time you said that you were thinking about starting a band. Has anything come from that? Actually, yeah, we met. Um, and Jeff and Bethany listened to the songs. And the response was, we want to do this. Great. It's like they were, I mean, Jeff Jeff McLaughlin is one of the most amazing musicians I've ever known. And when he goes, I want to play in a band that plays those songs, I felt good about it. So That's great. I hate hate to be saying it, but that's actually me being honest. Yeah, I know. When they left after the, and so we've got to figure time. My life is a mess in terms of being able to do anything. And they're both in the heat of, because they're both uh, school teaching musicians. And so the, like right now everybody's doing their shows and Mm, all that stuff. Yeah. Summertime will be time to do that. Okay. You could name that band Unicica. How about (laughs) Americanca? There we go. Okay. (laughs) Americanca. That's good. Yeah. All right. Um, so this past weekend, you talked about one of the parables of Jesus. You talked about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Um, which wraps up our sermon series, the moral of the story. And so can you kind of recap by stating what your big idea was so that people who may have forgotten or um, haven't heard this, the sermon yet kind of get a glimpse into what you had to say? Well, the big idea actually is stated by Jesus at the end when he says, anybody who exalts themselves will be humbled and anybody who humbles themselves will be exalted. And we have to, Think of it in terms of what he was saying at the moment, that the the Pharisee in the story is doing everything he can to exalt himself. And, and he's trying to exalt himself in a manner so that God will agree with him that he's, he's uh, worthy of being exalted. And the tax collector is humbling himself mm-hmm. through the admission of how his entire life has been formed and how he's... His whole identity is sinful and that he has lowered himself before God in order to, um, I suppose, find forgiveness. He's not even thinking about being exalted. And yet Jesus says, if you do that, then you'll be lifted up or you'll be exalted. And the idea is that um, we we just need to think about that all the time Mm -hmm. because – now, I know you can get like carried away with some false humility and, and actually my upbringing was everybody, nobody would ever toot their own horn for anything because you're always worried about it being, mm-hmm. um, being exalting yourself. But, but I think we can tell the difference. Yeah. Yeah. 
So for novices like me, whenever I hear the word Pharisee, I, I mean, I was raised thinking, oh, Pharisees, they're the bad, they're the bad ones, right? Mm-hmm. Tax collectors, eh. but you pointed out there's a difference. Like Pharisees, you said um, they weren't elite guys, but they were common men who were very serious about following God. So, right. They, that, that doesn't sound like the bad guy to me. And then when you talked about the tax collector, you you said no one liked them. They only cared about money. Um, their system was filled with fraud and violence. So for the first, not, not for the first time, but it, it it's like, okay, there's two bad guys. Like we're talking about two bad people, but really the Pharisee, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like you communicated it in a way that I was raised believing. Like, when, when I think of tax collectors, I'm thinking of the song Zacchaeus in my head, right, you know, yeah. and I'm like, I'm like, Oh, that's not the, I mean, he, he's a wee little man. That's not bad. <laughs> like that. He's a nice, he's a nice guy. Um, but who defrauded and stole from all of his <laughs> yeah, that, neighbors. That's, that's yeah. verse two. Right. Yeah. Uh, I always mess that song up, by the way. That's the one church kid song I can't get right. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He called for his bi- pipe and he called for his bowl. Yeah, <laughs> what? No, no he climbed up that, in a sycamore tree that, to see what he could see. Pipe and bowl? I always mess that up. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> Sorry. Uh, so can you tell us why this story was so like scandalous or so like against culture at the time? Sure, because the normal concept in the cult the broader culture was that pharisees generally were just men who were serious about following the law or to live lives that um reflected what god would want they and they're not people who are getting ahead necessarily like financially or they don't have power um generally because they're a pharisee and most people looked at them as guys who just made a decision to live in a certain way, and they were respected for that decision. Now, you're going to have different kinds of responses to people like that all over the map, but the, but the Pharisees were not not like the Sadducees who were purely from – they were from seven specific families. They controlled the temple. They had made a lot of agreements with the, with the Romans. Uh, they were – people who had power mm-hmm. or elite and the Sadducees, while they were, they were the conservatives who only believed in the first five books of the old Testament, the Pharisees, actually Jesus, every time Jesus talks about agreeing that the rest of the books and the prophets, the writings and all that stuff is actually text or canon that's sacred. Every time he talks like that, he is agreeing with the Pharisees. Mm. And so there's not a, there wasn't this broad notion in the first century that Pharisees, by virtue of joining up to be a Pharisee, and they didn't even call themselves that. That's the name that was given to them. But they, when they signed up to be a part of that group of people who were going to work together to try to bring about what God wanted Israel to be like, um, they were respected mm-hmm. broadly, and the tax collectors. Now, those guys were completely off off the chart in terms of being hated by everybody because they had made that the Romans would make deals with local people 
to either collect tolls at places when somebody brought a brought goods goods in from another space or when they traveled through different parts of the Roman Empire anytime there was a boundary they would have a tariff and the Romans had they charged a tariff for that and they would make deals with Jew Jewish men in that part of the world to collect X amount of money. So they had a contract to collect X amount of money. And if they collected more on that, on the tolls, they got to keep it. And then there was also just the general census toll for the cost of the Mm. army and for the cost of governing and that stuff. And that came out of the general population. And they gave tax collectors huge leeway to do anything, to to steal people's children and demand ransom, to take people's Whoa. houses, to do all kinds of things to get the money. They had almost no control. And the and the government was backing them up in this, this process. And again, if they got more – and they got paid by taking more money than they needed to give to okay. Rome. Those censuses, even the census when Jesus was born, they said that uh, Joseph had to go. But that, yeah. pr- that was purpose for two things. One, to figure out how many people were there so they could tell how much to tax them, and then to find out how many soldiers they had to provide for the army. Now, the Jews got out of the army part. They'd made a deal with them, so the Jews did not have to join the Roman army, but they did have to pay those taxes, and they punished people based on their behavior on the amount of money they demanded from them. And they always used locals Hmm. because the local guys who are willing to do this took all the ire that would normally go to the Romans. Mm. So now we hate Zacchaeus. Now we hate our own people. Yes, as opposed to the the Romans. And because because the Romans could always say when the tax collectors were done, they could go, well, we only wanted X and they're the ones who took Y. Mm-hmm. Don't blame us that they're treating you like that. Mm. And and I mean, they knew what they were doing. They also, I even like, they even put, when they garrisoned soldiers in different places, they would always try to find groups of people from another place who automatically, by the virtue of something in the past, hated the people they were guarding over. Yeah. Anyway, so like they, they, were, they were, the Romans were really smart about- Sounds like the mafia. Well, they just knew how to they knew how to run an empire. Yeah. Yeah, divide and conquer. They know. How oh, to do that. yeah, they they just every possible. But so when you say tax collector, when Jesus says Pharisee, I mean people if nothing else have a neutral attitude about them. That they don't go, "Oh, he's a big hypocrite." Yeah. Like we do because mm-hmm. we only talk about Pharisees from the New Testament. We I mean we would the word would not exist in our consciousness if it hadn't been for the New Testament. And almost every time we run into one, they're bad. Yeah, we're comparing them to Jesus. Right. Where at the time, they were the guys who believed in God and like could teach us some stuff, right? Yeah, well, the guy that took Jesus off the cross and put him in his tomb was a Pharisee. Mm-hmm. Paul Paul says he was a Pharisee. I mean, right. he, he says, I'm a Pharisee, the son of Pharisees. Right. right. Yeah. Right. I'm in on Pharisees now. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got it. <laughs> Jesus wasn't, I mean, he was pointing out their own, and the only reason he's pointing it out, he's not pointing it out to humiliate them. He's pointing it out to them to get them to think twice about what they're yeah. doing. This, this is the thing about Jesus. He's always trying to set up people so that they can have a way to change what they're doing. And and the fact that Matthew was a tax collector, a chief tax collector, and now he now he he was at that moment he was one of the twelve. Yeah, and he was there when that happened. Um, I can't 
even imagine what was going through his mind as he thought back about who he'd been. Mm. Because we get that story in Luke. Luke is the one who gives us both the the conversion of Levi or Matthew and then the conversion of Zacchaeus. And so we get both of those stories. And I'm sure that that Jesus um, had experienced those. Now, one is before and one is after in the text. But I don't know. We don't, you know, those the gospel books are kind of the the four the three the three synoptics are somewhat in a chronological order but the the reason the stories are where they are is for other reasons than chronology and so i don't know Zacchaeus could have already happened mm-hmm. but certainly matthew did mm. so it's just an interesting thing. It's really short, and it's interesting too that there's no response to it. He just tells it, and they go on. Yeah. And the next thing is like, suffer the little children to come unto me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So you pointed out that the only person we should, after we hear a story like this, the only person that we should ask questions about in this parable should be ourselves. Is that kind of what you wanted people to? Yep. Well, I think that, take away. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any trouble if you've if you've done the hard work in your own heart then you can talk to other people about yeah. something if you got a, if you have an in with them but i you know my natural tendency is to to assume that i'm fine and everybody else has got a problem mm-hmm. yeah. do you guys see yourself in the story do you guys see the pharisee in you because when i was listening to this i was like you know, I, I had already said i was raised believing the pharisees are the bad ones like don't be like the pharisees but in light of this, I'm like, oh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that Pharisee in me because even as I'm sitting in service, I'm looking over at somebody like on their phone texting <laughs> and I'm like, mm. they're just following along the app. Notes. No, they were not. They were texting. <laughs> and I was, I was, I like caught myself in service being like, not as spiritual as me. Yeah. I'm paying attention. And then I was like, oh, that's what he's talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, God, that I'm not texting like this person. <laughs> yeah. So do you guys. But he's texting himself. Whoa, am I a sinner? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you resonate with that or is that just me? It links up a lot with what we talked about last week with yep. the older brother in the story of the prodigal son. I, I, I've definitely gone through seasons where I'm very much in that frame of mind. Uh, judging other people and looking out at other people. And even now I find myself, it, I mean, Tim, you mentioned the same thing in the sermon. It's it's easy by virtue of the fact that I am a professional ministry person. I'm a pastor. So it is so easy for me to unintentionally slide into that way of thinking, you know, you know, because I, I do this for my job and I'm not, I'm not like those other mortals. Mm -hmm. It's whatever. It's so easy to, I don't really think that way (laughs) to be clear, but you know what I mean? Right. It's like, I, my job forces me to read the Bible on a regular basis. Yeah. And so that's a little feather in my cap. I read the Bible. Other people don't read the Bible as much as I do. Like how dumb is that? But that's, that's something that can happen if I'm not, if I'm not watching it. Why just you, me though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Totally <laughs> no, just you. I, um, I don't know. I think I, I personally identify with the, the tax collector because I've been in that place, um, of, you know, just can't lift your eyes and whatever feeling like the scum of the earth. Um, Psalm 51 was where I went. I can remember, I can remember being like just on my knees face to the ground next to my bed reading and crying out 
Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Um, you know, just the whole of Psalm 51. Um, is that, yeah. is that the Enneagram six in you? Maybe, maybe, or it could just be that I totally get what it's like to want <laughs> to like sackcloth and ashes, you know, um, and having a, a broken spirit. So mm. I think yeah. there is a, there is a point for any Christ follower it has to be a point at which you kind of come face to face with just how, just how broken you are and how messed up you are and how, how often the decisions you make are contrary to God's heart for the world. And it, it eventually just, it lays you bare. It rubs you raw and you realize like, I've got nothing. Like Mm. I, you look around at the broken world and realize, and it's my fault along with everyone else, but I'm, I'm Mm. a part of this. And so yeah, I, I've been there a lot too. I think where you do sort of beat your metaphorical chest in anguish at the realization of just how much, ugh, how much junk your life has caused in this world because of your own decisions. Hmm. Yeah, I remember when that first really hit me, and I was in college and I was studying Paradise Lost, and I, and I don't know if you remember the scene, but in Paradise Lost, where one of the angels takes Adam after the fall to a he takes him to this mountaintop and they look out over this large valley and in the valley are people with every malady and horrible thing that could happen to people in their in that world and this is like he just keeps naming this this problem and that problem and they're looking out over and then the angel turns him and goes that's your fault oh yeah (laughs) you know and it's like it really struck me for the first time because i was still i mean i came out of the i was i was fairly proud of my my lifestyle up until you know certain stages and that that hit me Mm. strongly that yeah it's like if everybody else had lived a perfect life and I just come and live the one that I'd lived, we'd have all these problems in the world. Yeah. And I know that I'm not supposed to live my life taking <laughs> responsibility for everything that goes wrong, but there is some reality to the fact that this is the reason that it happens. And I have to put myself in with the mass of humanity that we're all equally broken. That's why I said at the end of the sermon that there's not that much difference between this person and that person from God's perspective. That, yes. Right. That if you if you want to look at it for, in reality, that the most sinful person and the most holy person are all equally um, broken before God. The best part about this parable is that the guy, all he does is cry out and say, have mercy on me. And then he says, God, or Jesus says God had mercy on him. Mm-hmm. And so that that's a sign of... Of, and it's not, it's not talking about some sort of existential salvific moment. It's just saying God's heart is towards, mm. you know, towards that. We, we, come to, we come to our justification through the blood of Jesus. I understand that now, but this story is pre that. Yeah. And right. so it's just talking about the heart of God in the moment. And, and if, if they didn't, when they went to the, when they went to the temple, well, it was simply the Day of Atonement, really, that when their sins that they knew they'd forget, committed were forgiven. But they had to have the same faith in something specific happening outside of that which they could do to find forgiveness before God. And that is something about it that connects, really connects with what we experience. So, hmm. anyway. so if we all believe that, that, like God doesn't have favorites, why do you think for like, I mean, 2,000 years since— like we're still trying to convince each other that I, 
I'm closer to God than you or, you know, you know what I mean? Why are we still trying to do that if we don't believe that God even has favorites? Is it, is the answer simply brokenness or is there something? I, I think it's just humility is, is almost contrary to human nature in some sense. Like it's almost impossible for us to naturally find ourselves desiring humility. And you, you made a point in the sermon. You, uh, we've talked about this before, I think, but the, the word humility, it carries more of a connotation in that culture of humiliation. Right. And that idea of being humiliated or being lowered, it's not something that you're necessarily choosing to do because it's a virtue. It's more like it's happening to you by some other outside force. And that is something I don't know that anybody ever desires that like naturally uh, at all. Mm-mm. To be humiliated. Right. Right. Yeah. To be brought low, made low by another. Think how, think how often people are crippled by embarrassing moments from their past. Um, mm-hmm. People who, who, when they, they, when, whenever it comes into mind, something embarrassing that happened to them, I had a really embarrassing thing happen to me in college and one of my most embarrassing moments. And what was it? No, just really. It's not, <laughs> just I'm not even going to get into it because it was like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> there was a lot of, a lot of shame and it was embarrassing. Yeah. And, and even now when I think about it, it, it raises the hairs on my neck and I feel like, ugh, I hate it. So I think there's something about how we're wired that we just want to avoid being humiliated at all hmm. costs. I don't know. Does that? Yeah. Well, I don't think that we were created with the tools to deal with humiliation because I don't think we were created to live in a place where we would ever be humiliated. Because mm-hmm. there wasn't meant to be hierarchy in shame. Humanity. Shame mm-hmm. was not a part of the initial plan. Mm-hmm. You talked about that in your Adam and Eve um, when we were doing the origins series. You talked about yeah. shame, like you don't think that we're we're wired to have to deal with that, right? We don't have the tools to deal with it. We can figure out together how to work through stuff and how to put things behind us and all that. But most of that stuff, the true humiliation or shame, it, you just scratch the surface and it just comes right back out. Mm. I know that every once in a while I'll be laying in bed in the morning and I'll be thinking about something and it will take me to some place like you're talking about and I will immediately get up out of bed and just run to go do something else so I'll stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I just don't want to go there. Even the, even though there's nobody... Well, that, that's not true. I had I had a um, something happen to me in junior high and so I think I was probably 13 and it was really humiliating. Mm-hmm. And... I thought, you know, well, you know, you think, well, it's 13 or 12 or something, and that's way a long time ago. And I was at the 45th high school reunion at Carmel High School a year ago last summer. So it's been almost like 18. Wow. And some guy brought it up. Ouch. Oh, my and it goodness. And like, it was like immediate, let's all laugh at Tim again. Oh, oh no. Oh, wow. Who's that guy? Tell us his name. Yeah, let's get him. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say his name, but he could not keep a beat. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Not an emotional drummer. You hear that sucker? You can't keep a beat. He could not keep a beat, but he brought it up, and it was like it was. I'm I was I'm 64 now, so I was probably 62, 63. I don't know. I was in my 60s, and there I was experiencing the same thing. Man. Everybody was laughing about something that happened to me. Wow, uh, junior high, and that's why I'm not going to any reunions. I don't ever. either. I don't go to any reunions. I don't need to worry about it because I was so cool in middle school. <laughs> Wait, I got to tell you the best part about that story is this. 
the best part is that when I was in junior high, that dude stole my girlfriend. Now she was like, How is that the best part of the story? That sounds wait terrible. Wait a minute, wait a minute. He stole my girlfriend. He stole my, and she really, you know, that back then it's your only girlfriend's boyfriends because you tell each other through friends that you like each other. Right. But, but anyway, so I, I ended seventh grade thinking that we liked each other. But when eighth grade came back around, he'd been with her all through the summer and I wasn't even on the charts. What a Which, jerk. Well, anyway, so, so, um, <laughs> they went there. We all went our separate ways, but they came back together through the internet and now are married to each other. And I was with them, you know, at the, <laughs> and the, can I just say, I hate to say the term, thank you, dear Lord, but that <laughs> I, that he took that girl away from me because I, not only did I win the lottery on girls, but that girl, Lord have mercy. We'll just leave it at that. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He got everything he deserved. <laughs> <and it's more. laughs> yeah. I'm glad we did not mention names. <laughs> wow. Has there has there been has there been anyone in your guys' lives that you've seen who are the opposite of the Pharisee that's portrayed in this story? Is there anybody that's an example that you point to personally that like that's that's a picture of humility or that's a picture of being humble before God? Wait, the opposite okay, opposite of the Pharisee. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say my my friend, Pastor Fred in Nairobi, he uh, grew up, was born in the rural areas, very poor, uh, moved to the city and ended up getting, uh, he went to went to a seminary, ended up getting this great education. And he was like valedictorian of this seminary. He could have done anything. He could have been a pastor of a big, fancy, expensive church, but he felt God calling him to to move into the to the slums to minister to young men and women in the slums. And so he took the risk, did that. And then while he was there, he ended up getting married and having children and continuing to live in the slums. And um, for me, his life is one example of just the humility that Jesus is talking about here in some sense, because uh, he had every right to be the one that was exalting himself. And yet he chose to, to humble himself for something other than himself. And it has created a ministry that's changed lives. And um, I know that this, parable, we tend to look at it more in a moral or like sin mercy kind of way. But I think in that sense, I think the same principle is totally true in his life. Mm. I'm always astounded at that choice that he made. Mm-hmm. I think of two musicians come to mind. Um, one guitar player by the name of Phil Keggy. What? Guitar yeah, players. That guy's the man. Guitar I, players will tell you that he's the greatest guitar player like in the Phil world. Phil Keggy's on my band's album. Say what? The Tyler Bender band, man. He he recorded guitar on uh Stop it. I promise. Sometimes I think we're not even friends. How did I not know His this? His daughter was one of my best friends in college. Ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, that, Sometimes this stuff just Tyler, you're a musician. You know, I I have a Phil I have a Phil Keggy story from when he was in Glass Harp too. So. Oh my. Yeah. Was he just as humble back then? Oh yeah, or he did was it a take sweet some time? Man. He was a really sweet man even then and uh and I saw him, I've seen him probably four times in the space from when, and Glass Harp is a long time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I think it was 1971. And every time I see him, he remembers me first. Like I- He's the best. I say- So humble. You know, I say, you know, because <laughs> uh, his, one of his uh, best friends was Phil Madeira. The, yeah. He was one of my best Please old friends. Please stop. And <laughs> yeah, I used to play with Phil Madeira. And, uh, stop. <laughs> yeah, and so um, I would every time because he was in Phil's band for a long time, and every time I'd see Phil, 
Phil Madeira, then Phil Keggy would be there and he would immediately go, oh, I know you. You're the you, – Tim, you're the guy that was at the at the certain, certain concert when I was in – Wow. Glass Harp and we talked because you recognized one of the licks that I played was the we'll know we are Christians by our love party. Yeah. That's Cause so Because I walked up to – because I was uh, setting up the gear for that oh, concert. Man. and. He uh, and he played that line, and I didn't know who Glass Harp was or who Phil Kegu was at that time because they were nobody then. And, yeah, and he was just killed me on the guitar. And then he plays that melody, and I just went up to him after the show, and I go, "Okay, why did you play that melody?" And we just started being Christian so brothers together. I played a I played a concert a couple of years ago at an outdoor festival, and I don't know who scheduled this this festival, but I had to follow Phil Kegu <laughs> two times in the same day. Like what? he's what? like my guitar hero. Like I just couldn't, and I'd not had a chance to see him live. So I knew I was going to watch him probably fall to pieces because I've waited my whole life to see him play yeah. and then have to take the stage right after him. <laughs> so I did, I totally fell apart and forgot. Like it, it, I was in a haze and mm-hmm. I had to snap out of it so that I could go and I could play. Um, and the stage hands help him clear his gear off the stage. And he's like, Mr. Keggy is so sorry. He went a little over his time. You know, is there, is there anything that you need from us? Yeah. <laughs> the first thing I could grab is my guitar strap and I'm like, just have him sign this. <laughs> we'll be fine. We'll call it, we'll call it even. <laughs> <That's fine. laughs> so yeah, my guitar strap on my electric is signed by Mr. Phil Keggy, but he, in, I think it was at that concert, he said one thing and it was so simple and in his voice, which is just so humble anyhow, just even the tone of his voice. He says, I've been walking with the Lord for 40 years now. And then he just went on to tell some story and I don't even remember the story, but it was the number and it was the way he said, just walking with the Lord for 40 years. Mm. And I've seen lots of Christian musicians rise and fall or some even walk away from the faith entirely and be very vocal about it and, you know, go from Christian to being anti-Christian and anti-religion and all that stuff. So it it was soothing to my heart to just see somebody that I respect so greatly mm. still be able to say that he's walking with the Lord. Mm-hmm. That means more to me than any award or accolade he could have ever gotten, more to me than anything that you're you're still doing it and you're telling me that there's hope when I'm at that stage of my life, I can look back and say, I've been walking with the Lord for 40 years. Like I just hold on to that. He's the best. Yeah. When I was in Nashville, uh, recording, I called his daughter just because I was in town and she's like, Oh yeah, you should tell my dad that you're here. And so I did. And he asked me if, (laughs) if I wanted his, like him to participate, like, cause he knew that, I mean, whatever it, we're just down there having a good time, like recording. He's like, Oh yeah, you should bring your stuff over. Let me, let me take a listen. I was like, you want to listen to me? (laughs) Yeah. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Tim, you, you said the thing that you said that really stood out to me was when you were talking about yourself and, um, the phrase you put was condescension comes with expertise. Like I it and, can. Yeah. Yeah. And can. I was thinking about that and I was like, that is so true. Like the more specialized you are in something and the more expertise you have about something, how much more easy is it for you to like use that against other people? Right. Or to put people in their place yeah. or to elevate yourself in a, yeah, that that's always an issue. 
and I'm just glad I'm not that smart or don't know that much because <laughs> if because I I deal with it as it is. If I was really somebody, because mm-hmm. I I studied under my advisor at Trinity was Kevin Van Hooser, who may may be one of the five smartest men in the world, and he was. He was never full of himself at any level, but I know that if I were as brilliant as he was and able to talk about things the way he did and speak as many languages as he did and all the things, you know, I would be insufferable. Yeah, I probably would be too. Don't you think when you know where your gift comes from, like to me, that's like the great anti, anti-pride. Like, yeah. I did not do this. I didn't, you know, I, I how do you keep reminding yourself of that? Myself. I didn't knit my own brain together. Like that you just do, you just keep reminding yourself of that. Like yeah. anytime that pride wants to flare up, like I'm thinking of Phil Keggy, whatever he's an expert's expert and he has every right to look down on all other guitar players that shall ever exist, you know, but yeah. he knows to, to whom to give the credit yeah. for his giftedness, you know, even just whatever, breath in our lungs or waking up in our right mind. Like how, how are we to take the credit for any of that? Yeah. I mean, I know that, but the practice of that, the discipline of that is so much harder than it sounds. Well, I think that's why so often uh, spiritual sanctimoniousness, if that's a word, comes from the fact that people do or don't do certain things. I don't think like with Phil Keggy, his his pride would grow out of the fact that he's a great guitar player, but it might grow out of the fact that he had, and, and I don't know, I'm just making this mm-hmm. up, that he hasn't had a drink of alcohol for 40 years either. Mm-hmm. And that or that kind of thing is usually where people land when they're going to be full of themselves. It's I do this or I don't do this. You're talking about behavior. Behavior. Mm. Yeah, that generally is where people end up. Sometimes it comes from the fact that I know more about the Bible than you do. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it comes from there a lot. <laughs> I'll never, oh, don't even, yeah, I can't even go yeah, down that road. No, yeah, I, I, I could see that. I grew up in a very, what do you say? Like, like, like what, how, it sounds similar to the way that you grew up in that it was what we did or did not do that made us worthy or not worthy or clean or unclean. So we, you know, we just, we didn't. We didn't drink. We didn't even dance like like the no, church that I grew up dance. in. None of that stuff. So then I become an adult and I got all these good rules in, in my backpack from the church I grew up in. And there's a ministry across the street from the apartment building where I was living, actually from the church ministry I was a part of. There was a ministry across the street um, run by Catholics. Ooh, the Catholics. Also in my backpack of good rules <laughs> came a lot of, thank God we're not like them. Right. That came from this denomination that I was brought up in. Thank God we're not like them. They, they drink and they do other things, you know, that we, I can go on and on. They were doing some of the hardest, most physically demanding street ministry of any denomination I'd ever known of, any anything what they they it was a ministry called Emmaus and there was I I wasn't my my apartment building wasn't too far away from like the red light district Mm. and part of their ministry was to be on the streets between the hours of 11 p.m and I want to say 2 30 in the morning or something like that rain or shine um with just 
health supplies and um, just relationship forming with people who were living this life Mm. in this red light district that they did not want to live. Some of them had been forced into this life. Um, But this group of God fearing Catholics was out there doing work that I just didn't even at that point in my early adult life, didn't even know needed to be done. Mm -hmm. Couldn't even have imagined um, what they were doing. And that began my kind of checking all those things in my backpack, you know, why do we, why do we do this? Why do we not do this? What does, what does this mean? And where did this come from? And well, they're, this guy's making port wine in his bathtub, mm-hmm. but yet he's out there, you know, <laughs> doing up. hands-on ministry night after night, after night, after night, yeah. rain or shine, mm. you know, um, what is it that makes us a Christ follower? What is it that makes us righteous? So, it seems then, because Dave spoke about the Samaritan a couple of weeks ago, um, and he asked the question, "Who is the Samaritan to you?" And Marin, your story just reminded me of this. And so, my other question was going to be, "What are some ways we can guard against becoming like the Pharisee?" And it sounds like putting ourselves in in uh, proximity to quote the Samaritans in our lives, like the people that we don't feel are worth our time or worth us stopping by um, to take care of. If we're in close proximity with those people and get to know those people, get to know that they're doing the hard work, that they're doing the the ministry that you didn't even know needed to be done. Then all of a sudden it's like, that's a, that's a humbling experience that you now, now that person is human to me. Now, now the people that I thought were Samaritans or whatever, it seems like that is the most practical takeaway I could take away from Mm -hmm. this past weekend is like, who are those people? And then get around them because that's going to be a humbling experience for you. Right. How about confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. But what if you don't know what your sins are? Well, you really ought to pray about that. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that that's one of the most practical and most difficult humbling steps a person can take. Forgive confession, confession, your sins to another person. Mm Mm-hmm. It's hard to confess your sins to God, but confessing it to another person, that's, that's real, yeah. real tough. Because I was asking myself the same question. Like he left, t- Tim, you left us with, are we willing to humble ourselves? And I'm pretty sure there was a collective head nod across mm-hmm. three campuses. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, what do I got to do? The question do is how? Oh. What does that look like? Ah, I took a LaCroix out of the fridge today, guys. Sorry. Wh- whose was it? It was first impressions. <laughs> <laughs> it was first impressions of Croy. It's in the prayer room. I took one out of the fridge there. Well, good start. <laughs> Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Tyler. Now you're going to have to be prosecuted to the fullest extent yeah. of the law. Oh man. I could think of a time that I did that. Like Barry, I know that you said that there was a time in your life where you, did you write to your parents or was it a phone call with your parents? It was an international phone it call. It was an from international Nairobi. phone call. Oh with yeah, your yeah, yeah. I did Collect. something similar (laughs) with, with my parents where it was like, and then this and that, and just had to lay myself bare before them. My dad did the craziest thing. You'll like this story. Um, after all of that transpired and there, I just gave it, I gave it all to my parents. I just laid it all out there. Boom. This is how nasty I am. Here's everything. (laughs) My dad comes over a couple Maybe maybe a month. I don't know. I can't remember how long it was. But he brings me um, a Martin nylon string guitar. 
He knows that I've been wanting a nylon string guitar for like a year. And he didn't even, <laughs> he didn't stay. He, he opened my apartment door and he put the guitar like in the case and everything, like in the middle of my living room floor with like a letter on top of it. And then he's like, okay, bye. Like it was just like this drive-by guitar gift giving. But the letter, the letter described receiving a gift that we don't deserve. And again, this was in that time of my life where grace was a very difficult concept for me to grasp because of my rules, rules, rules that I thought it mm-hmm. meant to follow Christ. And I had broken a rule. Rules, rules, rules. Mm-hmm. That means I'm donezo. Like, count me out disqualified forever. And he gave me this guitar as a symbol and as an object lesson of getting something you don't deserve, wow. getting something awesome, yeah. getting something How old expensive you? that you don't deserve. This was in my twenties at some point. So it couldn't ground you. <laughs> like if you did something bad, he couldn't ground you and take the guitar away. No, it's, I still have it. I yeah. have that guitar and I still have the accompanying letter of just. That's amazing. It's really cool. Well, Tim, thanks for uh, giving us that message. Um, it's it's one of those sermon series that you're like, uh, it is a lot of internal reflection, like between the parable of the lost sons, this one, the one Dave spoke about, you're like, man, I am somebody in all of these stories. And it's pr- so far... I'm, I get the short end. Like I'm not, I'm not doing so well. So it's, it's good reflection for me. And I think that a lot of people feel that way. I feel like a lot of people have resonated with the messages and the the sermons this past month. I think one of the reasons why is because we're taking the time to slow down and actually like chew on these parables and and explore the different nooks and crannies and angles. And excuse me, by the way, uh, I just had my throat getting a little bit clogged up. And, uh, last time I yeah, preached, we could, we could hear you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Last time I preached, um, that happened while I was preaching. <laughs> I didn't clear my throat, but I kind of almost needed uh-huh. to. And when I stopped a sentence with that happening, literally 15 or 16 people cleared their throats, like oh, empathetic throat you, yeah. clearing. <laughs> like they didn't, they didn't mean to, they just felt that urge, you know, uh, anyway, wow. it was weird. So it you noticed really- it or <laughs> somebody tell you that? No, I heard it. Cause I, <laughs> I finished the sentence right here. You gave them permission to do that. They were dying to clear it. Oh man. Anyway, I don't even know what I was saying. Did you pick this parable? Um, I did, but I was given a list to pick from, but I picked this one. Yeah. Is there a reason why you picked this one? Uh, Yeah. To be perfectly honest, because uh, I wanted to be able to tell the church the business about the difference between the reality of Pharisees and tax collectors in the first century Mm. And I also wanted to be able to to put it into the context of it being a story that was told to the author hmm. so that people would think about the gospel differently. That was my initial reason for wanting to do it. You're, because- you're referencing when you told us that Luke, which this blew my mind, I didn't know this, <laughs> Luke did not meet Jesus? I don't think so, no. Wow. No, he was an associate of Paul. Yeah, I had to do some digging. I'm like, you- say what? And I'm on my computer. <laughs> what? What did he say? Yeah. But then you were right. Sorry. There's <laughs> <laughs> one thing I've learned that if I'm going to say it up front. got to be right. Yeah, I said something uh, at the last covenant community that I misspoke. I said that if you take the first seven primes and you uh, add the f- or first 12 primes, mm-hmm. that you add them together, you get 
the number 318. And that wasn't true. And I had just been asked to talk about that just like at the last minute. But the, <laughs> but the truth is that if you take start with seven, which is the number of God, uh-huh. and then double it, square it to 49, starting with seven to 49, there are 12 primes in there that add up to 318. And I was right about what I was talking about, but I just misspoke. And I got so many people saying, you didn't, that was not true. You know, so uh, math, uh, I, I didn't hear I, a word you said because of the math. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, it's like you don't. You always want to know what you're talking about. Well, can I uh, confession? I mean, I've already talked about this, and I even said it in a, in a later sermon. But I actually made the exact same mistake in one of my early sermons at Grace, where I said that Luke met was, Jesus, and it was a. It, I, it you, just you said he was one of the I, disciples. I, yeah, I came yeah. Up, I came. Up Tim was like, "Did you have you learned something that that we didn't learn before?" And I was like, "Wait, Tim what? Was, oh my Tim gosh!" Was clearing his throat. I out totally. The yeah, yeah. I I got it wrong, and so the next time I preached, I I like. Came clean. I apologized yeah. for it. Wow. Well, yeah, it, it's like it's it happens. It, yeah, it happens. And uh, but the one thing you, that that I've learned is if you make a mistake on some little detail that is maybe even irrelevant to what you're talking <laughs> about, that will be the thing that people hang on to. Right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Man. And that from that day forward, I vowed I will never make, make another mistake. Make a, yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Ever again. Yeah. Good for you. Um, all right. So Tim, I know you got to go, but can we do one lightning round sure. of, uh, ask Tim anything and Barry, do you want to, do you kind of want to direct us through this? Uh, I just have one question. Tell us a story about strawberries, strawberries, Barry, Barry's theory is that he could, anybody could say a word. Yeah, I can and you would that. have a story about yeah. that. Okay. It's, it's my dad's theory too. It's every, yeah, it's it's real. Well, we it's went. Real. My wife went with our children. We went to pick strawberries at a at Decker's uh, U Pick in Evansville, and <laughs> while we were there, <laughs> told man, you. a man had a heart attack, mm-hmm. and had to, we did you know CPR and all that stuff, and he died, and it was it was so overwhelming, and our children were little at the time, and. So you're trying to tell them, you know, this man is laying, he's dead. And it took him a long time to get out, get to emergency people out there, but he died. And then I felt really, we felt really guilty about the strawberries that we had, you know. (laughs) Oh gosh. You know, it was like. These are morbid. (laughs) But when I think of strawberries, and right up the street here is uh, Kyle Spencer, who's an old friend of mine. He has the U-Pick strawberry place. And, um. He used to grow mums when I was uh, in landscaping, and I bought a lot of mums from him, so we became good friends. But ever since that episode in Evansville, I cannot go out into the field and pick strawberries anymore. I just I just go up there. If I need strawberries from him, I just say, uh, Kyle, can you just get me some strawberries? Because all I think oh. about is that wow. horrific event. You're scarred. Older, older man having a heart attack and dying while— Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so yeah. What a way to go, man. Well, I did pick a word randomly, and that was a really dark story. Yeah, thanks, Mary. But, uh, but doesn't everybody have a strawberry story? Do you? Everybody has a strawberry story. We have to pick something like super obscure. I uh, definitely don't have a strawberry story. Okay, especially about, with people dying. <laughs> all right, metal ingots. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> is that too obscure? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right, so instead of ask Tim anything, maybe we should say, what doesn't Tim have a story about? And we just try to stump you. Let's I like that. 
Next mean, time. Next time. <laughs> you mean, I'm supposed to tell you what I don't have a story about? No, so like, no, we'll see if we can like find what something. Barry just did. Like right now we're asking people, if you have a question about the Bible or anything, ask Tim anything and we'll get an answer. And that's cool. But what if we said, what doesn't Tim have a story about? And people could say strawberries. And so we'll say, Tim, do you have a story about strawberries? And you'll say, actually, yes, I do. Well, yeah, died. I'm sorry. That was a dark story, but it's like, <laughs> hey, no, it's, you said it, the word and it yeah. immediately took me back to Decker's mm-hmm. you pick. In fact, this place up here is called Spencer's you pick. And I still refer to it as Decker's because of that, of that event. Man. Yeah. Who knew? I don't, I, Marin, you don't have a strawberry story. Everybody has a strawberry story. What's yours? I had a strawberry patch in the backyard of my mobile home when no, I was a very a, small this child. Isn't real. Oh, it's very, very real. <laughs> All right. Metalingots, little, uh, little Too obscure. obscure. Yeah. All right. All right. We got a, I don't even know what that is. Is that like gold bars? No, they'll, in the purification process of metal, they will. <laughs> I got they will, one. See. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I know. Uh, I got metal, one. But do you know that there is, now that, that's probably not the same thing, but like when they make steel, the far, froth or the foam that mm-hmm. comes off of it, they crush it and. Use it for mulch and landscaping. Really? I yeah, I used to. There you go, Barry. They called it Haydite or Kenlite, or it had multiple names depending on the company. But when I worked, when I first started in the industry, I would buy semi loads of it, hmm. and so that would be. And you put it in the mulch as like a nutrient for the soil. Oh no, no! It was like <laughs> just like a filler. It was like, a, it was like we put mulch. Down. It was a mulch, and they would put it down as a. In in the south, they would put it down. Huh. Any place where there was a steel plant, they would have tons of the stuff and they would sell it. And so people Weird. used it as a mulch. Yeah, but I don't think that's metal ingots. It's like, yeah. but it's a byproduct. Close enough. I say it counts. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> I, say, I say that one counts. Ding. 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 Yet Tim is undefeated. Ding. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll do that. We'll do that next time. What can't. Or what doesn't Tim have a story about? I got it. One thing I don't have a story about, and it su- surprise you. What? I do not have a story about having a raised voice conversation with my wife. Really? There it is. Never had a raised voice you, conversation. Ne- like neither of you or you? No, neither of us. Jennifer's have, definitely yelled at you, but no, you- okay. No, <laughs> we have never had a raised voice conversation. How? You haven't been in the backyard with like big like noise headphones on with the leaf blower going and you've had to yell to tell her something. That's not oh, that what I'm talking about. That, that doesn't count. count. Ta- yeah, that way. I mean, I yell through the house at her and she asks me not to yell through the house at her, but that's not yeah, what that I'm talking count. about. How, how is that possible? I don't know other than the fact that the way we work together is we speak calmly and I think it's that we always assume that no matter what the other person is doing or done that they were thinking that they were doing the best thing for both of us mm. assume positive intent what if you can prove that they weren't yeah. <laughs> you hear that Jed <laughs> <laughs> well I I've never had that happen I've ne- what I, if you can I, prove that they I've weren't? never I've never ended up in a situation with her where I could show that she had intent other than that she thought she was doing the right thing. And, th- and when you start there, and when she starts there with me, um, it just, I it really haven't. And, and you know, my mom, who's a uh, guest with Jesus, that's the right way to say it. Mm-hmm. My mom said that we handicapped our children because they never saw us fight. No, that sounds like it's great. 
And I don't think we handicapped them. I think we gave them the tools to be able to. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether they fight or not. They don't do it in front of me. But yeah. they, if they do, they don't do it in a way that I'm sure that my own children are not. It's not that they're afraid of confrontation. That's not the issue. It's the way that you do it. Hmm. Has Jennifer ever bought a house without you seeing it first? <laughs> no, I know where we're going with this one. Yeah, I know where we're going with this one. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Do justly. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Tim, thanks for coming in. I hope that we get to see you sooner than we got to see you last time you came in. So. Well, I'm on the schedule about once a month for some great. time. So, yeah. Yeah, great. That'll be great. Um but yeah, until then, where are we going next? We're, we're starting a new series going back to Genesis, right? We're picking up where we left off with the patriarchs. Yeah. So we're talking about Jacob and Joseph. Are we doing Joseph too? How far are we going? Well, my last one is the 400 years of slavery. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which oh, there's gosh. like not one single verse yeah. about, you know, like, okay. Yeah. Sounds like it'll be great. This is one where I can, like, there's like no historical record of oh, or no. no anything. I'm going to, it's just like Tim gets to make it up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You don't want to miss that. Ta da! That's awesome. Yeah. All right, but until then, Marin, will you please send us out? Yes, yes. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with that guy. And we will see you on the other side of Sunday.